0: a prayer a prayer that will be answered Paul is pretty much done with his instruction his letter is almost over but before he ends before he closes with his final greetings he prays he writes his prayer for the Christians in Thessalonica and all all of whom are new Christians Let's read that that prayer. Let me read it to you. It's 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 23 and 24. You will want to turn there in your Bible. It's on page 988 verse 23 and 24 of chapter 5. He says now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen? I'm going to read that again. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful he will surely do it we know that the Holy Spirit had Paul write his letter and in it this prayer for the Thessalonians so that we would read it and understand that it has come from God and is an expression of his will for all Christians and this prayer is our prayer as much as it was their prayer so we want to understand it And get from it all that God has for us. A key word in this prayer is the word sanctify. You see there in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Um, The whole prayer is really about that. The whole prayer is about sanctification. And so I want to point out to you four elements in here in this passage four elements of your sanctification four elements of your sanctification the first one I I want us to look at the nature of sanctification and we discern the nature of sanctification from the meaning of the word itself and from two other words in this passage the word sanctify if you've been around Christians you've been in the church you've heard the word but we don't usually use it in normal conversation. I would suspect it's just my guess that probably tomorrow when you go to work as you go through the whole day you'll probably not hear the word sanctify or sanctification and yet it's an important word and the meaning of it is rooted in the idea of being set apart. To sanctify something is to set something apart. To set it apart for a particular purpose to dedicate it or to consecrate it and and put it apart for something else. And so the idea is that God has come and he's set us apart to himself. And we're set apart, because we're set apart for God, we want to please him and to change in the ways that we need to change. And God, who is the one who first sets us apart is the one who changes us. You'll notice in verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. We don't sanctify ourselves. He sanctifies us. We participate. We respond to what he's doing. But he's the sanctifier. So he sets us apart. He's the one who changes us. We participate as we yield to him and believe and lean on him and obey. But it's God who does the sanctifying. He is changing us into his image, into a reflection of his character, and therefore into greater and greater holiness. The other word in here, the second word in here, is the word blameless. You see that there? It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless, blameless. In one sense, sanctification has to do with our position before God. He set us apart. And that is, in in one sense, that hasn't anything to do with our experience. He's done it. Um, But then our experience is involved because now he wants to change us. Um, He wants to... Um, make us more and more blameless. We become different than we used to be, and that's called sanctification. There's another place. Look at chapter 4. Just turn back one page. Chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, Now, this doesn't mean that the sum total of sanctification has to do with our sexual ethics and practice. But Paul was saying that our sexual behavior and motivation is within the boundaries of our sanctification. God is changing us. God is cleaning us up. God is giving us the freedom to live as we ought to live rather than to live as a slave to our own desires. In the Bible Fellowship Church, in our doctrinal statement, article number 16 is about sanctification. Let me read just a part of it. It says, Sanctification is a progressive work of the Holy Spirit in the believer that purifies the life and conforms the whole person to the image of Christ as the Word of God is believed and obeyed. That's what sanctification is. He's changing us. Is it clear? Clear as mud yet? Well, we're not done. Let me keep going. There's another word that helps us see the nature of sanctification, and I skipped over it. Uh, it's, it's the word completely. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now, in the Greek language, this word completely carries with it the, ide- the two ideas of wholeness, W-H-O-L-E, wholeness and completion. So it's not just talking about it's completely like reaching out to each part of you, but that's true. But it's more than that is that once God reaches out to every part of you, he's going to make you whole. Does that sound good? Anybody here ever sense that in your own life you're not really whole? there's parts of you that just aren't what they ought to be they're not even they're not what God intended you to be but this is part of what God is doing as he sanctifies us he's bringing wholeness and completion into our life and so the nature of sanctification is that we are purified we are changed and we are made complete Jeffrey Wilson a British Theologian said this, clearly this is no piecemeal sanctification affected by human effort. And this is the part I want you to hear. For radical completeness of the holiness required demands God for its author. Do you get that? God is working in sanctification to produce in us a radical completeness of holiness. And he's saying, oh, it's only God that does that. And God is the author of our sanctification and this is what God is doing in our life and you can't escape it you can't come to Jesus Christ in faith you see that he died for you on the cross you sense your need for forgiveness that you sense that you're alienated from God and that Christ is the mediator you put your trust in Christ so that your sins are forgiven you're reconciled to God you can't have that whole experience and then stop there and just go about your life. It, wouldn't, it won't work. It never happens. Because the God who brings you to the point where you put your trust in Jesus Christ is the God who sanctifies. And this is what he's doing in our lives. He is after us, brothers and sisters, as a loving father, filling us with his spirit, changing us, bringing wholeness and completeness into our lives. This is God's agenda for you. Amen? So that's the nature of sanctification. How about the extent of sanctification? Well, there are other interesting words used here. We've um, we've looked at that word completely. You see there's also the word whole, W-H-O-L-E, and the word blameless, all in verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole, whole spirit and soul and body be kept Blameless, not 99% blameless, but blameless 100%. God is going to do and is after doing and is doing a deep, deep work in your life. Psalm 51. I'm going to turn there. You can turn there if you'd like. Keep your finger in first in Thess, but... This passage is where David has sinned, and then he, he records his prayer, which is turned into a psalm, a song. So that down through the ages, God's people can borrow these words and, and pray them back to God in their own times of confession. But it's so revealing. Listen, I'm, just, I'm going to read the first ten verses and comment. But well, we're thinking about the extent of our sanctification. What is God doing? Where? How much of us is he after to change and make into greater and greater holiness? How much of us? Or what parts of us? Well, it's, it's all of us. But listen to these words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, not just, not just on the surface, thoroughly, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words, and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's saying, as he's coming to God with a confession of particular sins, he's reflecting on the sinfulness within him. And he's saying to God that my mother was a sinner. I don't know why he didn't mention his dad, but, you know, my parents are sinners. I'm born in sin. Sin is in me already when I'm born. It's deep, deep in me, he's saying. But verse 6 Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Down, down deep where nobody else sees. Down, down inside of me where I don't even understand yet. You're reaching down there. That's what you want to change. It's not just my behavior on the outside. As, as important and significant as that is, it's down on the inside. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I, I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The extent of our sanctification is that there's no corner of your heart that's off limits to God and he is working and reaching and he will not stop till he's clenched you and changed you and given you completeness in every little corner of your life. It's interesting in this passage now, in verse 23 again, it says, The spirit and soul and body, he's saying, everything. Robert Findlay, a Scottish uh, theologian of the late 1700s, says, Over this passage, the trichotomists and dichotomists wage war. That may not make much sense to you, but... um, trichotomy is the view from verses like this that we are human beings are made up of three parts spirit and soul and body dichotomists believe that we're made up of two parts that the spirit and soul are two different functions or ways of the immaterial part of us to be talked about so we're made up of the non-material part spirit and soul and the physical part the body dichotomists Trichotomist. I am certain of one thing, that the, the purpose of Paul here, when he wrote this, was not to make a case about trichotomy or dichotomy. That is not what he was talking about. He is praying for their sanctification, and he knows that there is no aspect of their being that will not be changed by God. Amen? Amen. One theologian said God will himself so sanctify the Thessalonians that no part of their being falls short of entire consecration to him. If you want to know more about... uh, you want to read more about trichotomy and dichotomy, I got some stuff that you can read. I, I'm a dichotomist, I'm a two-parter, and but we can differ about that. None of this is heresy, it's just difference of opinion about minor things. And it would be a shame to let that question pull us off of what is being said here. You know what's being said here? This is what's being said. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's being said. Amen? Amen. The extent of our sanctification, everything about us, our mind, our will, our emotions, our body... Very capacity to relate to God and to relate to each other. Everything. God is moving in our life to clean us, change us, and make us whole. He wants to make us blameless, as it says right here. Now, I've been waiting for this moment. You want to hear something really cool. Do you? Because if you don't, I'll just go on. Blameless in this verse, verse 23. Now, you've got to understand, and everybody that knows more than one language understands this very clearly, but there are more than one Greek word that gets translated in the English into the word blameless, okay? Underneath this verse, in this word blameless, the Greek word right there never occurs anywhere else in the New Testament. This is the only place in the New Testament where it occurs. And that means that Paul, when he was separated from the Thessalonians and praying for them, he's down there in Athens and he he starts to write his letter to the Thessalonians, he picked up this rarely used word and penned it to them for their encouragement. Tens of centuries later, archaeologists... Who were studying the inscriptions carved into the stone markers in first century graves noticed that the word blameless, this word, blameless, was found on several graves in a particular city, Thessalonica. Is that not cool? <laughs> Honey, we're going to have to make my tombstone a little bit bigger. <laughs> we're going to have to put blameless on there. And you see, you see, blameless, it, it, they weren't bragging. Remember, this is so cool. Paul writes it to them and the archaeologists find it. Wait, what's this word? Why is it on people's tombs in Thessalonica? Because they believed what Paul wrote. And they believed that God was going to answer that prayer. Amen? Amen? They weren't bragging. They're not saying, I'm blameless because I'm so holy. They were saying, God's going to make me blameless. And when the trumpet sounds and I come up out of this grave, I'm going to be blameless. In what? Body, soul, spirit, everything. Hallelujah. That's the extent Now what about the timing, the timing of our sanctification? Notice in 23 again, it says at, at the end of the verse says, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, may may God make you this way, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The completion of this sanctification will be at his coming. When the graves, and like we said, some of them, some of which say blameless on them, when the graves are, are, are uh, opened up, and the dead in Christ are raised, we will. this will be completed. But for now, there is a process going on. We're not there. God set us apart, begins his work in us. It'll be completed then, but he's working us toward it now. There's some other verses in the scripture that, that, that show us that this idea of, is, is true, that there's a process going on now. In Hebrews 10, 14, for example, it says this. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Ah, it's a beautiful verse. Could preach a whole sermon on that. But, but when Christ is offered on the cross... God takes that and what Christ has accomplished there, and he puts it on you. He's, he's perfected you in the sense of you're, you're right before God now. You are justified. You're declared righteous, but you're not righteous yet. So, he, so now we're being sanctified. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's a process. In Romans six nineteen says for just as you once presented your members as slaves so he's ta- he's contrasting their non-christian life to their christian life he says he says for ju- for once you at for just as you once presented your members so he's contrasting the change that was happening in us when we were non-christians with christians so he says just as you once presented your members, meaning the parts of your body, the parts of your being, you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. That was the change that was happening as a non-Christian. You were sinning and you were sinning more. It says, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. See, the, you, the lawlessness was leading to more Lawlessness, righteousness, leads to more righteousness. And that's the process that's taking place. But the process has an end. An end in time and an end product. Again, our Bible Fellowship Church statement about this, part of it says this. Sanctification begins at regeneration, that's when you're born again. It continues throughout the believer's life on earth and reaches its completion at the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Jude, we studied him last year. Jude, he said this in his prayer at the end of his book. says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That word blameless is a different Greek word, but the same idea. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is our God who's able to keep us from stumbling. And you say, but I do stumble. Ah, let me explain something. My wife and I were watching a a documentary about the Himalayan mountains. Fascinating stuff. But, in one part of it, they briefly, because you have to, if you're going to talk about the Himalayans, Mount Everest is there, tallest mountain in the world. So you got to talk a little bit about these crazy people who climb Mount Everest. I, they didn't call them crazy people, but I'm calling them that. So there they are at this little bit, and on, they're on this one ridge, and they're going, you know, they can, they can move their leg, and then they have to rest for a while, and, move, you know, they're up there like this. And you go this way, you fall thousands of feet to your death. You go this way just a little bit, thousands of feet. Um, and they have to, they're on this little ridge, and they've got to walk and not fall sideways. But they did, and they could, and they did fall forward. Some of them stumbled and fell, and then they got back up. You know what this verse is saying? His God is saying, I'm never going to let you fall over the side. You're, you're a sinner, and you're going to mess up, and you're going to fall, but I'm going to make sure you fall forward. And then we'll just pick you back up, and you'll keep going. I'm never going to let go of you. You are not going to fall over the side. And then when you get to the top, because I, may, I helped you get there, you'll be whole. And we'll be no more worrying about falling. Amen? So that's the timing of our sanctification. We're in a process now, and then the end is coming. And then, lastly, um, hold on just a sec. Lastly, the cause of your sanctification. The cause of your sanctification. So much in this passage Uh, tells us that the ultimate cause of our sanctification is God. We participate in all of this, but he is the cause. And it begins with the first word. Sorry about referring to the Greek so much today, although that's, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing when it's helpful. In the Greek, it's something very, very interesting happens that you can't see in the English. And it doesn't have to be written this way. The word order in the Greek doesn't have to be this way. But Paul, in this case, did it this way. The first word in verse 23 in the Greek is the word himself. Himself is where he starts it. He starts the whole sentence off. It's, It's kind of a weird way to write it. But he writes it, God, you see, himself... The God of peace may sanctify you. It's God who does this, and you know what the cause of your sanctification is? Well, it's it, it's it's God, and in His character and in His action, it's who He is and what He does. Notice in verse twenty-three, He's the God of peace. He Himself is whole. He's the God of peace. He's whole. There's um, nothing missing, no fear, no anxiety, nothing in him. He's complete. That one is the one who sanctifies us. And then in verse 24, look at 24. He who calls you is faithful. He is the faithful one. He is the one about whom... In the book of Numbers, it says this, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? I like the way the King James says, and and has he spoken and will he not make it good? This is our God. He he cannot lie. He will not lie. And he says, I'm going to get you to the end. I'm going to do this in you. The God of peace, the faithful God, his character is mentioned here in, verse, in these verses. And then his actions, notice again in verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He's called us. Look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness, the God who reaches down into our life when we're living just the way we want to live, we're not paying much attention to him, or maybe we're running from him, but God calls. He reaches down into our life and he and he draws us to himself. He says he, he's calling us not just to stay the way we were in, in impurity, but to change us into holiness. Then look at chapter two, verse twelve. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God is calling us into his kingdom and that call means he's going he's to change us. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul said, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He who called you is faithful, and he will surely do it. John Stott said that Paul here felt the need to remind both himself and them of the ground of his bold request. It is the call of God, which is a call to holiness and the faithfulness of God to his called people. Jesus said... Remember this in John chapter 6? For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Amen? 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 I will do it. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He's got you. And he's going to carry you along that ridge. He's not going to let you fall over the sides. You're going to fall down. But he's going to get you back up. And you're going to keep going. And he's going to get you. I will raise him up on the last day. One theologian said, this prayer shows how the preceding instructions, meaning everything that's been said in 1 Thessalonians. Remember chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, all these instructions on this is the way you should live. There were warnings, there were instructions, there were commands. And he says, this prayer is showing us, he said, how they're to be carried out. It's by God's gracious activity in you. This is how we're going to do all the other. It's by God working in us. It's by him being faithful to the people who he has called. He will, it says, look at verse 24. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Leon Morris said, It is profoundly satisfying to the believer that in the last resort, what matters is not his feeble hold on God, but God's strong grip on him. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. Friend, um, a couple questions, but we want to we sing. And you know what we have to sing, right? A wonderful song, He Will Hold You Fast. Well, but before we, before we stand to sing, I want to ask a few questions and pray. Just quickly, are you cons- as concerned about your sanctification? Are you as concerned about it as God is? Are you resisting His efforts to probe down into your heart and, and change you where you need to be changed? Yield to Him, brothers and sisters. Sometimes it can be painful. There can be some pretty ugly stuff down inside but let him clean you up. Amen? Just let him work in your life. And as all this happens, are you resting though in his grace? Are you approaching your Christian life as one big task that you have to do? It's not that way at all. Now that's law. That's living like the law. No, you, you yield to God and lean on him and allow him by his spirit to clean you up and to change you. Lean on him. Brothers and sisters, lean on Him. It's not you, it's Him. Surrender to Him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you. And thank you for what you've done. And thank you for this promise that all who have looked on the Son and believed in Him have eternal life and you will raise them up. In the last day, we love you, Lord, and believe you with all our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.